listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Hollow Sweet Media. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations, as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listener discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to follow the girl with no podcast. It's gone before. everyone and welcome to Tribbles in Ecstasy episode 271 271 wow it seems like just a couple of weeks ago we were doing 270 oh wait it was a couple of weeks ago dang it <laughs> so uh as everyone might be aware they can hear it all clearly uh we're missing our most prominent member Midnight is not feeling well, but I got enough of the crew together to try and record an episode. So we're recording an episode. That's why this episode doesn't have a Twitch. And isn't being broadcast on Facebook or YouTube at the same time. Sorry, guys. So, joining me this evening, you know him, you love him, he's been here a few times, it's Geese. Hey, everyone, how's it going? And, I, I have... I'm 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 currently getting a piece of paper that I need to Oh listen What do you This is a tablet, not a piece of paper. Fine, fine, I'll read it. I'll read it. <clears throat> In the depths of the fire caves rose a cry. A long forgotten warrior finally escaping the clutches of both Pa Wraith and Grethor. A warrior whose honor never faltered in the face of insurmountable odds. Crawling from the crevice of damnation, Batleth in hand, he stands on the edge of the abyss and screams for all quadrants to hear. You will not silence me. I have slain more than gods. I have slain the gods, even gods fear. Wow. Damn, dragon, I didn't know you did that. Well, I can't go bragging about everything. Yes, everybody, it's me, it's Dragon, I'm back. Buckle up, bitches, it's time to get real. And yes, because Midnight's not here, we don't have our standard format, so it's seat in the pants time! Ah, uh, okay, so, 
Um, normally we have show notes, but the show notes are all out of whack because we're we're not all together when midnight's not here. So I'm just gonna start us off with with well let's let's talk about let's talk about Star Trek Online. Star Trek Online. Has has anybody seen the new ships that they're offering? Um, I, I haven't been able to actually play any of them yet, but I've seen them and I like. I liked them a lot. I want them. So Star Trek is uh, online is offering a new mega bundle. So that's. Three ships for the Federation, three ships for the Klingons, and three ships for the Romulans. Uh, the Miracle Miracle Worker Mega Bundle. This is a this. These are basically new ships to take uh take full advantage of the Miracle Worker uh, uh skill tree thing. I forget what that's called. <laughs> Specialization. That's it. That's the thing. Thank you. Um, um, so yeah, we've got nine new ships, and, uh, Dragon, you, you explained pretty well what these are. Do you care to do that again? Okay, folks, um, if you think about it, this is basically the equivalent of a Tier 6U. Um, it's like when you go from the T5 to the T5U, you get the bonus console slot, not always a bonus ability for your bridge officer well guess what here you're getting an entire freaking row worth of a single universal console slot that you can put whatever you want in as long as it's a universal so you want that extra damage there you go you want a little bit of extra healing so that way you're a little more tanky guess what but you got it you want to do that little extra EPG for your space wizardry? They got you covered there too. Wow, that's that's um a lot of extra consoles. Yeah, and uh, your tier six have, if I'm not mistaken, eleven consoles. If I remember off the top of my head correctly, it's been a few days since I've been in game. This one is, yeah, if I counted correctly, twelve consoles. So, yeah, you could end up with the equivalent of, say, six tactical consoles. You could have six science or whatever, but you're going to have, but one of the consoles for whatever you want it to be has to be universal to go into that slot on the Miracle Worker ship. Reading some of the information for these ships, holy crap, uh, they have an additional plus 10 subsystem power across the board. So, like, normal Tier 6 starships have plus 20 uh, subsystem power. These all have plus 30. Uh Uh-huh. They also seem to have improved uh, sector space travel. Is that? They do. I think it's like an extra 20, it's like an extra 15 or 20% to the base rate on the sector space travel, if I read correctly. And they will actually stay in transwarp for longer. That's, that's neat. That's, I guess that's the best way to get the most out of your Borg engines, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose they get you across the map quicker, but that's about it. Uh, we've already mentioned the Universal Console slot. 
And uh, trust me, that's literally what it is, a universal console slot. It can hold any engineering, science, or tactical console, as well as any universal console. So, uh, it's a little console off all on its own. That's, um, hmm. So, yeah, this, I foresee these ships actually being a bit of a game changer uh, for one reason. Um, it's going to allow your support players the extra flexibility to expand on their repertoire, get that little extra drain, get that little extra particle gen, whatever. Um, it will give your tactical captains and your DPS whores their, that bigger boost because they'll be able to put in that extra tactical console that they want. Um, your engineering ships, yeah, not sure what they're going to do with theirs, but yeah, they'll find a way to use it. Uh, probably make themselves even tankier just so that way they can say, ha ha, you blowed up and I didn't. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to really go over all the ins and outs of every single ship being offered, but, uh, is there any particular ships that either of you have seen, like, as a, as a design and thought, I must have that ship. These, I'll give you the honor of being able to answer that one first. Oh, oh thanks, man. Um, I'm sorry, repeat the question again. Uh, uh, have you have you seen the the new ship Mega Bundle? Do you know what? I haven't. Um, I've got a feeling it's going to be probably a dodgy design here and there. I did see uh, um, some pictures of Klingon ships. To be fair, and uh, the debate was whether they were round or not uh, at the end, like the old D7s was. Well, uh, I, I, I've, I've actually linked it here in the chat for you to go take a look at. So I, I will, I will move, I'll move to Dragon and come back to you. Dragon, is there any design that stood out for you? Well, obviously, I'm not one of those talks that just plays the Federation, but I mean, they're not bad. Um, the Klingon ships, I, I will have to say, they did a, a fairly reasonable job on, but, oh my god, those Romulan ships, um, I, I, I really like how the, how the Romulan ships look, um, especially the tactical variant, it, it's just, yeah, that, that's a sexy beast. Well, the tactical, the tactical warbird is pretty much the closest thing to the actual base material, the Delon. These these all look like they come from the Delon uh, skill set. It's just that the other two are so swept downward. They look more like the Terracell shuttle. Yeah, that's part of my big issue against the other two. I mean, granted, the overall design is not bad. But yeah, it looks too much like that, like a damn shuttle. Um, and this is supposed to be a big ass ship. I mean, come on. The like, and and the tactical one actually looks like eh, like a Romulan ship should. It's big. It's beefy. It's bulky. It looks like it could just reach out, snap your neck, and say thank you. I'll take ten more. Well, as a warbird, it looks like it's actually flying. These. These these first two warbirds actually look more like um like birds of prey, like Klingon bird of prey ships. They look like they're supposed to have disruptors on the ends of those wingtips. I was thinking more along the lines that they look like birds that were roosting and about to fall off the perch. 
Maybe. So, so you really like the tactical warbird then, huh? I like the, the visual aesthetics of it. Um, but when it comes to, to functionality, since I really like playing a science character, um, I, I would actually go more towards the, the science variants in, in any of the factions. Just because, yeah, I like the space wizardry part. It, it's well, just, like I said, the visuals on, on that Romulan attack are, I think, the best. They're also the most Reman. That I mean, that that's that uh that 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 texture palette is, if I'm not mistaken, called Reman, or it was called Reman One. Uh, I know it was at one point, but that may have been a long time ago. But no, okay, Geese, have you seen the ships now? Yes, I've seen the ships. What in the hell are these? I mean, come on. Is there is there is there any one of them that look that you look at and you go, okay, that's a nice design. I kind of want that one. No. Which 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 faction are you specifically looking at, though? I, I saw them all, and I've got to be honest. Like, I agree with what Dragon said about the the Romulans. <laughs> That's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the Romulan warbirds look like like what he said. They look, they just look like funky chickens. Um, I can see where they're going with it, with the whole bending the curve of the wings kind of thing. Um, they just look really small compared to all the other ones. Uh, Federation characters, which is what I play with the most, they just look like... I can see where they're going, I think. They're obviously bigger ships, but they're not as big as, say, Enterprise J, which is probably one of the most biggest ship in the game. Um, right. Which, the, the, yeah, the temporal dreadnoughts. Yeah, which is like years down the line kind of thing. But it just looks awful. Like, I've I've been told that a lot of the a lot of the um, the hull design, the the neck and hull design, just under the saucer for the Federation ships. Is a uh, is to most people really reminiscent of the Excelsior class, and I can kind of see what they're going for. But at the same time, looking at all the Federation ships, I go, "Look, if I stuck my hand in between all those pylons and put it there, and there was a trigger, I'd probably be using this as a Federation phaser, not a starship, or at least a Federation rifle." Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can I know what you're saying. I can see where they're going. I can see the um, Excelsior neck in the design. And I do like the saucer. I, I, I do like the saucer. Um, it, 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 it almost reminds me of a colony-style a, a ship, like one of them ships that's designed to be out in deep space for, like, years and years and years to come. You know what I mean? That's like that, we had what, that's what we had with the old Jupiter Dreadnought before we got the Jupiter Carrier. But these ones now look like twice the size, don't they? They, they, well, yeah, they, they definitely, they definitely look like somebody bigged up everything and said, "Hey, here's here's a ship with four nacelles." And the only thing going through my mind is, this isn't a ship. This is something for me to grab from the armory when people are invading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I've noticed though that this. <laughs> As as the Star Trek Online's gone on, the ships have got more, more, more bigger. Like in terms of looks, design, everything like that. Now I don't know if they're trying to make it so that they build up to the Enterprise J, uh, the Dreadnought version, or 
what, but it just seems like <laughs> it just seems like the first ship that he started off with, the Miranda class, just is doesn't even cover half of a uh, half of a nacelle compared to some of the ships that you've got out there now. And now that they've added this Excelsior Next style, what are they dreadnoughts or they're cruisers? Okay, so um, so the Excelsior Next style cruisers, um, because they did they did the four nacelles before, didn't they, on a, yeah. a previous set of ships, didn't they? Yeah, the the um, oh good God, they've done it on quite a few. Um, the uh, the the big bundles. Mm. The, the previous shows... mega bundles have a couple of them. Yeah, but then I guess with the four nacelles, it shows that they that that the ships can do a lot more, or in theory they can do a lot more, which means more power, which means bigger size. The Klingon ones look the worst out of all of them, I think. Like, it's just terrible. Like, they look like, two of them look like hammerhead sharks. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but their heads are turned the opposite way. And um, the last one's got a whole bunch of, like, claws sticking out of it, out of, out of its head. Like, I don't know. I actually, of of all the ships here, that's probably the one ship I preferred. It it looks like it, Klingons took a a a their new quote unquote cruiser. Oh, that that's another thing. The Klingons, hey Klingon guys, you aren't getting a battle cruiser. You're getting actual cruisers with this round. So they've got all four of the little command things, and they're probably slow. I don't even think I don't even know if they can fit the dual heavy cannons or not because they're cruisers, not battle cruisers. Hmm, that's something to look into. But yeah, no, it, the 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 uh, tactical one looks like they some, somebody designing these ships looked at the other two and went, "Screw that! Let's put a whole bunch of knives on the front because ramming speed." Well, um, yeah, I'm not actually going to say the first thought that went through my mind when I saw the Antak class, the Science Miracle Worker cruiser for the Klingons, because yeah, okay, wait a minute, we've got an adult rating. Screw it. The first thought that went through my mind was, oh my god, it's a giant space dildo. Yeah, I don't blame you there. Okay. I don't see it, but okay. You've got the industrial-sized grip at the rear end, and it's ribbed for their pleasure. I would think about that more from the Orion Marauder than anything, but okay. And, and Geese, you you mentioned the uh, the hammerhead design. Just turned uh, turned vertical instead of being horizontal. I loathe the horizontal hammerhead design that they keep going after. Don't know why they keep chasing after it. They th- th- there's somebody in the design department just keeps going. That's Klingon, and I'm like, that's so weird that you think that that is Klingon. Like, yeah, yeah sure, we had we had a hammerhead design for a bridge segment out of the D7, but we kind of had a huge bulb on the bottom of it with a deflector dish that shot torpedoes out of it to make up for the fact that it was a hammerhead. I mean, we've we've had a few designs here and there that have that design in canon, and I, I'm like, okay, those are cool. I loathe those kinds of ships. I can't stand them. I like the forked jagged design and this 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 new vertical aesthetic that they're going for it works but it only works to the degree that they make it look angry 
The first two ships don't look angry. The third one, the tactical variant, it l- reminds me of the Najsov with a whole bunch of knives attached to it and <laughs> and people going, ramming speed! You want to know what the Federation ships actually remind me a lot of? Go ahead. Guppies. Pregnant, fancy guppies. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm more worried why there's a hole in the middle of these ships. Because, I mean, I ain't no space expert. But the last time we had this thing about holes, it was about slipstream thing on the, 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 the Odyssey class. Enterprise F. The Odyssey class. So you had that big, huge hole in the middle of the ship that was the set that you, you basically had two pylons that was the neck for the Odyssey instead of it having like an, a, a normal neck. This, it's got like this neck from the Excelsior and then a hole in the back of it like somebody slapped the Prometheus design on top of another Prometheus design, and then put an Excelsior neck in the middle. <laughs> and forgot to seal the work plasma conduit. Yeah, I just forgot to fill the hole in the middle. What 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 goes here? Nothing? Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm sure it'll still fly and everything, but, uh, that's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, I can safely say they're not for me. Uh, see, and... and and look, I'll be the first to admit, I'm a total and complete hypocrite because one of the things I absolutely love about the Romulan Temporal Dreadnought is the fact that its singularity core at the back of the ship is exposed to space. I won't, I won't lie, that feature on the Romulan Warbird, that Romulan Warbird is amazing to watch the little singularity thing just light up and spin about as it's as that ship is just moving so yeah i i i i, I look at the I, it's it's just it's a matter of taste guys if you like the ships great if you don't yeah hey welcome to the club i i really hope i really hope alex wonder likes these designs considering they're not you know the classic designs of the of of ships right yeah, they would definitely be considered non-canon designs, at least for the majority, of, for the most part. Um, they would, in my books, they are some of the most god-awful kit bashes that I've seen. Um, like I said, with the exception of the, yeah, the, the Romulan Tactical, it actually looks close enough to the original to say that, yeah, okay, that's a viable ship, but the others... Looked like they tried to kit bash a part of a scimitar with the Tercel and the Dedirdex and came up with that bastardization. Yeah, no, I can, I can see it. I do, I do have to. Uh, I I will admit one thing. I I like the I like the Bassard collectors on the um, Daystrom class for the Federation because they look like jet uh, jet engine intake uh, air intakes. Instead of being like a protrusion on the front of the nacelle, well, you gotta collect it somehow. Well, I mean, they're called Bassard collectors. Why are they big, huge bulbs on the front of a nacelle? Shouldn't they? I don't know. Look like they suck stuff inward. Because then they'd be Bassard vacuums. I don't know. And God, that would suck. The Tier Seven USS Hoover class. 
Uh, would that be followed by the Tier 8 Eureka and Dirt Devil classes? <laughs> no, that's the Tier 7 Mega Bundle. Just, yeah. just, what, what, is, what was it, Keys? No, I was going to say, I'm so waiting for the day when they start introducing Tier 7 stuff. So you could officially quit the game? <laughs> I don't think I'd quit the game because Star Trek's one of my passions, but I'll be one of the first to turn around and say, I told you so. No, yeah, I, I, we all know that's going to get there eventually. Oh, and think about what I said earlier. These are basically the equivalent of a Tier 6 upgrade, a T6U. I mean, come on, it's got 12 freaking console slots. I mean, just think about that for a second. You have 12 consoles on a ship now that you can use. Uh, just think about the, well, think about the, the Vulcan edit. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. You now have a console slot that can run literally anything. So, what you gonna do with it? That's where the stuff in the hull went. They took out a whole huge chunk of the ship to give the captain an extra console. Had to free up room somehow. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, the... the these uh this this bundle is actually cheaper than most of the other mega bundles isn't it i can see why i was uh i think we were discussing it and they the the bundle the mega bundle itself is only 10,000 zen instead of the normal or a normal 12,000 but i can't be sure cuz i'm not in game at the moment uh usually a tier 6 ship will set you about 6,000 a piece for a total of 12000 for a faction. So, yeah. It usually works out to being $35 American when when you actually do the the cash payment on it. So, yeah, I do believe it is just a little bit cheaper, but not a lot. Interesting. Well, we'll, we'll have links to the announcement and the stats for these ships in our show notes. When Steve is well enough to, to get the show all edited up and stuff. We miss you, Steve. Please come back. Oh, but, but son, did you forget that we sent him to Rotopente because of the fact that he's such a Federation Patak at times? I didn't send him to Rotopente. Oh, oops. I guess yeah. I need somebody forged your signature. Uh-huh, we're going to have to talk about that later. Whole, the whole idea was to get him well, not get him dead. No mixing business and pleasure, not yet at least. So, moving on, we have week three rewards for the new episode on PC, Melting Pot. Uh, this week's reward is the preeminent deflector. So this will create a three-piece set bonus. And guess what? If you're a Tetrion runner, ooh, plus Tetrion damage. Hey, what do you know? My KDS science character is a Tetrion runner, and yeah, those Tetrion can be real fun if done right. Indeed, we we uh we saw from uh, Timberwolf that uh, a fully built out Tetrion, like maximum Tetrion damage output, is right around ninety nine thousand damage. Like they're they're. There are two other classes of weapon that do worse. Go figure. And what Tetrion can do to a shield is just amazing. So, yeah. 
so, uh, yeah, the, uh, I don't have the stats for the shield itself, but, uh, th yeah, the, the two-piece bonus for this, uh, starship set is plus kinetic damage resistance, and the three-piece, there's actually two, um, there's actually two three-piece bonuses. Huh. Uh... Three pieces provide plus tetrion damage, maximum shield capacity. Oh, oh, that's a typo in the thing. There's a fourth thing. Okay. Uh, the four-piece bonus, which will come out next week, is a plus flight turn rate, and activating a cannon bridge officer ability will grant plus shield power for a for uh for a short duration. Somebody, somebody really. Messed up editing this this blog post, I think. Basically, it's going to be leaning towards a Tetrion cannon build. Um, cannon as a new weapon, not cannon as in it belongs. No, no mistake there. Um, just because they can. Okay. Sure. Um, cryptic. I'm not sure that I'm I'm actually qualified to offer the kind of help that you need. Because, um, yeah, um, it, it appears that you may need more than I'm qualified to even offer in any way, shape, form, or fashion on this one. But, yeah, that's a stretch. No, no, it's not. Uh, my, my Riemann science officer is in the Dyson Science Destroyer using a Tetrion cannon build because gravimetric torpedoes. You, uh, you, you pop a grav well. So all the ships are bunched up together. You splatter them with cap, uh, 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 cannon scatter volley. Then you shadow leap. So you, you do your warp singularity jump. So they're still trapped. At least when the uh, gravwell ends, they're still trapped together somewhat. Then you just fire the gravimetric torpedo at the butt. So uh, when the torpedo explodes in a in a uh, volley of, of different torpedoes. Guess what? All the little gravity wells that get created just yo-yo them around and then blow them up because they're literally scraping into each other. Yeah, you gotta love the yo-yo uh, torpedo when it comes to a torpedo spread two or three. They, they, they actually they rebuffed the gravimetric torpedo because they nerfed it a while back so that you would only get one grav well out of an entire scatter volley. And it's like, that ain't right. And then they updated the groups to say, okay, when you do a, a, a torpedo volley, you know, when, when, you, when you do the, the scatter shot of torpedoes, torpedo spread, that's, the, that's it. That's what you said. It slipped my mind, folks. Forgive me. When you do a torpedo spread, the clusters of torpedoes will now do their own gravity well, instead of them being dependent on a single source. Because it's a special effect torpedo, and if it's only doing one of the special effect, what's the point? The point is to say, I've got it, I don't use it, but I've got it. Yeah, now I can go away. Oh well, I'm I'm one of those people that found a use for it, especially when you talk about having a tier six console, a tier six U extra additional console for boosted uh, exotic particle generation damage, which is what that torpedo does. Because graph well, see, see, I'm smart. 
I'm designing my own metas. I ain't a meta person, but I'm designing my own metas. I don't math well, but I have unique ideas. Screw y'all. I'm going to do what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, yep. Three snaps up in a Z formation. (laughs) So, uh, hopefully... Hopefully midnight will get this out before the 31st because, hey guys, if you missed it the first go around, you have a chance to get in game, grab the Discovery Starfleet uniforms, and the next generation Type 7 shuttle. You know, the shuttle everybody kind of looks at and goes, wow, that's weird. And it's actually a flyable shuttle, like an actual pilotable shuttle. It's It's got... It's got stats. It has two four weapons, believe it or not. Now, the one thing I did not happen to see was, um, are those account unlocks or are those per character? I believe they're account unlocked. I, 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 can't, I can't 100% say, but I believe they're account unlocked. Also, this is one of the very few Federation shuttles that comes with with a couple of of um, bridge officer seats instead of just one. Uh, it comes with an ensign universal seat and an ensign engineering seat. Ooh. Not bad, not bad. And, and, and um, engineering team. A little survivability there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you put the, um, the soul defense set on it. Give it a little bit of the... Um, experimental proton beam thing. Well, they renamed that now. The Dyson proton beam set, the munition set. Yeah, you're you're going to be you're going to be you're going to be doing some damage and and taking some damage. But uh yeah, no. Uh, just to reiterate, Star Trek Discovery uniforms in Star Trek Online. So if you want to get your if you want to get your Saru on, go ahead. You can you got to get in game and get them now, though, before before October thirty first. Not long to go. Not long at all. About a week or two, I think. Yeah, it's about ten days. So, uh, this is the second vanity project for the uh the colony, the uh the Draenor colony, and it takes the lowest level of the colony and replaces it with a glass floor so you can see all the coral underneath it which i got myself stuck doing that mission in the coral i i had to i had to do all kinds of finagling to get myself out of the coral i'm sorry i do that because midnight has this fascination every time he sees that word or hears it he thinks of the walking dead so I make a habit of, of, of stopping and going, Coral! And he's probably going to be editing this and giggling the whole time. Which is fine by me. Oh, that boy needs a good laugh. So yeah, this project should run for a couple of weeks by itself. And if I remember rightly, all of these vanity unlocks are 200,000 dilithium at base. But if you have a fully leveled up... Um, Dilithium mine, it's a fraction of that. Because dilithium reductions, yay! 
Eh, they're good for something, I guess. So, Keys, you've been noticing anything on the console version of Stowe? Yes. Star Trek Online Console News. I logged in earlier, and basically for the next two weeks or so, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, first things first, there is um, bonus marks weekend this weekend for obviously reputation marks and stuff, pretty standard. Um, the I don't know if we talked about this before, but the LaForge missions have... I'm pretty sure they've been released on the console now as well. Yes, yes. Beyond the Nexus so is now on yeah, on so the console. Uh, we've got missions like Hearts and Minds and Nexus. Uh, break, I think it's called Breaking the Nexus. And if off the top of my head, um, Beyond the Nexus. That's that's, that's the, the new one. that's the new featured episode with Mister LaForge. That's the one. So we've got that going on as well. So for the, like I said, for the next two weeks, it's pretty action-packed uh, on the console, but it's basically playing the featured episode as well as various other things on certain days. Um, I'm taking a quick look at the news for console. You too, you guys also have access to acquiring the Discovery uniforms and the Type 7 shuttle. Yeah, I saw that as well. Nice little uh, collection there for someone who uh, collects all the uniforms. Yep. And uh, the, oh, it looks like the uh, classic Galaxy interior was also released. So you can purchase that now in the Zen store. 2000 Zen, and, and you can have your own Enterprise. Enterprise D. Classics. I'd still rather have the original NCC-1701. It seems like console's also running the Infinity promotion. The, uh... In- the Infinity R&D promotion from October 19th until November 9th. Purchase some R&D packs and you can win a 23rd century tier 6 Connie. Like the classic Connie. Not bad, not bad. Um, <laughs> when I looked in game earlier, I saw an Enterprise J and it looked massive. Well, yeah, because Abrams. And because this is the Infinity promotion, you can get a whole bunch of other ships too. You can get the Temporal Light Cruiser, which is the classic Toss Connie. You can get the 23rd Century Tier 6 uh, Connie, which is our, which is the uh, the Enterprise A refit. You can get uh, the D7 Tier 6 or the Talis Tier 6. You also can get the uh, the uh, the Dreadnoughts. So the Romulan Dreadnought, the Klingon Temporal Dreadnought, and the Enterprise J. You also have access to the Amari-class smuggler ship and the Sonar Dreadnought. Go figure. I thought we had a lockbox around the Amari-class. I could be mistaken, though. Oh, it looks like they're serving up a lot in console at the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, and this is and these are the ones. Well, the you know those are the normal ships. Uh, and well, in addition to the ships you've already had access to in a previous one, which is the Krenum Anorax, the two Alachis, and the two Jim Hadar ships. 
I still say that the Anorax is one of the most OP ships in the game. Oh my god, is it nice. Well, it's it's not even a genocide machine. It's a timeline genocide machine. So does that make it a chronocide machine? I didn't think about it that way before, but yes, it would. That sounds like an amazing thing to have in the next uh, Command & Conquer Red Alert. That will never, ever happen. Another classic game, then. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame that EA gobbles up companies and then kills them. Business, isn't it? For them, maybe. I mean, I actually, I actually thought they was going somewhere with the whole Red Alert thing. I mean, I know they got a whole bunch of stars in and stuff like that, but, you know, it was still a good game. It was still a couple of good games to play. True, true. The, 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 the big thing is, you see, a lot of these companies don't, they don't understand the gaming space. They treat gaming like a business. Sadly, Cryptic is no different. Cryptic is no different when it comes to Perfect World, because Perfect World treats the game like a business. This is why you see all the loot boxes, all the R&D packs. It's making the most money. And, you know, there are the defenders out there who say, well, yeah, it costs money. Yeah, it does. I, I don't disagree that it costs money. What I disagree with is the fact that you see these companies acquiring products all the time, like what you do with EA and Westwood Studios, and suddenly they make a game that doesn't sell Call of Duty levels of millions of dollars, and the, that entire gaming division is... It's, it's not... It's not about making the games anymore in the industry. It's about making the money in the industry. And it sucks, but that's kind of the way it's becoming. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, if it doesn't make Halo or Call of Duty's type money, that branch, that section, whatever you want to call it, gets sent the way of the dodo. And, you know, and a lot of, you know, you have the companies themselves who lie constantly. We don't have the money to do this. That's why we have to have our early accesses and, and, and this and that and the other. And it's like, yeah, you didn't have the money, but you went out to get third-party promo with this other product. You realize that the people who are actually smart about all this realize that you're feeding them a whole bunch of lies because it costs money to make a deal like that. A partnership deal costs money. When you when you cross promote, when you cross promote your your ships with a with with a, with a design thing like the people who make Attack Wing for a special ship in Star Trek Online, that agreement. That agreement between the two of you costs money. And it's not just that it costs money in the actual agreement. It can cost money in the actual agreement. But it costs money from a perspective of these people, like the people at Star Trek Online and Cryptic, had to design a ship specifically for the people who were doing the attack wing thing. And the people who were doing the attack wing thing specifically had to change their box art design to include promo and coding for Star Trek Online. That shit costs money, yo. So when people say they don't have money, I'm not inclined to believe you, ever. They do have money. They spend it quite regularly. If I go out and buy the Mad Max game and they're trying to sell me a... a, a 
an actual vehicle based on an energy drink. That shit cost money, yo. That cross-promotion cost money somewhere. It's money that could have been spent in the game doing something completely different, but it was spent between the energy drink company and the people who designed the game or the people who were marketing the design of of that game to cross-promote. So you can't tell me the industry doesn't have money. They do. They have loads of it, and they just want more. Yeah, I do agree a little bit. And I'm sorry I went off on this rant, but it cheeses my onions when this shit goes on. And people go, but they don't have any money. Bitch, here's the proof they have money. They they hired LeVar Burton. They hired, oh God, what's her name? Jerry Ryan. The, they, hired, they, they hired Denise Crosby. They actually turned around and hired Chase Masterson after getting snippets of her agreeing to, to, to voice Lita at some point. They actually turned around and hired her for a whole bunch of stuff. They hired Aaron Eisenberg. They hired Michael Dorn. Don't tell me this industry don't got money. It's got money. And yeah, sure, it's great that we're getting all of these old talents back together and back in track for Star Trek Online. But at the same time, that's entirely money that could be used to, I don't know, fix the engine? Work on a Star Trek Online 2.0? I don't know. I mean, how many times have we seen games like... And and stay with me here. Wow, World of Warcraft, or... I don't know, RuneScape actually create new engines to run those games on. They did it. But when when somebody in the development at Cryptic Studios goes, oh, the reason you got HD is because we were moving to console, otherwise we never would have done that, that's what turns me off from playing a game. Because that kind of honesty proves you're just callous sons of bitches. Son? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Have sorry. You, you wrecked the drink of the night. I'm sorry. No, you're not. You're just waiting for me to get back so you can go off on a good soapbox. Well, I mean, uh, yes and no. Because I know you'd be the only one to back me up here, but if I did this rant with Midnight here, Midnight would be at every turn. Yeah, but, yeah, but, it's nice to be able to just say this shit and not have a yeah, but. And you guys can agree or disagree. We'd love to hear if you agreed or disagreed. In fact, when we post this show on the forums, there's literally a whole thread where you can disagree with me if you disagree with me. And if some of the developers can actually, you know, tell us why things like that were said on air in interviews, the whole, the whole, we never would have, des- we never would have made it otherwise with like the stepping into HD and the, the updating the graphics and, and the quality of the game. If, if you, if you can explain why that was said by one of your representatives and if they were mistaken in saying that and if they meant something else please do i would love to know if that was a moment of pure and blatant honesty or if that was oops something that one disgruntled employee didn't mean to say or if it was a momentary indiscretionary 
uh, violation of a possible NDA? I don't know. I would I would love to have that one explained. In fact, if 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 I can go back, I will have to. I will go back and look for that that particular interview because that pissed me off so much. Yeah, I can see why why it pissed you off. Well, my biggest bitch this whole time, and it's still my biggest bitch, is come on, the Klingons are supposed to be a full fledged fucking faction. And what do we get in the way of actual Klingon ships designed for Klingons by Klingons, manned by Klingons? You get the idea. We don't. We get the dregs. We get the bottom of the barrel. We get an afterthought, if that. I understand that the original series was very Fed-centric. But if it wasn't for the myriad aliens that they came across then TOS would have failed to have been nearly as popular as it was. And one of those enemies that they kept running across regularly was, oh, hmm, gee, Klingons. And so, therefore, they're canon. That means that they're an old race. It means they should have more than a handful of ships. And I'm sorry, a giant fucking seven-foot-tall lizard with three fingers does not hold a beaker well. Well, look, I look, I, I, I've, I've looked at this argument time and time again. I keep coming back to the same thing. They just don't care. They honestly don't care. And it's nice that they've hired a community manager who's a Klingon. That's nice. It's nice seeing a lot more Klingon perspective and stuff in RP blogs and a lot of the episodes lately. That's that's nice. That's really nice. Um. But we don't. Chips, damn it! You, you, the, the tier six, the tier six bird of prey, is literally as big as some of the smaller battle cruisers. It's 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 quite literally that big. It's as big as some of the smaller battle cruisers. You cannot tell me, from an honest perspective, that there can't be a Klingon cavort, and. And as long as it has been since the Federation has gotten their Jupiter design a ship what we designed contest or pick a ship what we designed contest, uh, that the Klingons still have yet to have a tier six carrier, like a Klingon tier six carrier. They don't even have even the Romulans at this point have a tier six full fledged carrier, and that bastard comes out of a lockbox. But the Klingons are mm-hmm. but but the Romulans still have it. They don't care. They honestly don't care. It's like making a Doctor Who MMO. Okay, sure, you're going to have a whole bunch of people who are on the side of the Doctor and the Time Lords. Good on you, but if you create two quote-unquote factions, and one of them happens to be, I don't know, the Daleks, the greatest enemy to the Doctor ever, and you just piddle around feeding them scraps here and there every once in a while, people are going to be pissed because you call them a faction, yet you don't treat them as one. You, you, are, you are giving the priority treatment to the other side. I mean, I've seen this argument for years in Stowe. Years in Stowe. 
And I agree. I have to agree. I have to agree simply because they say it won't sell. Okay, my comeback is show me that data that it doesn't sell. When the Moog class came out, that was a ship that I adored. I bought it. Then I went and turned around and bought the fleet version because I love the ship. Now, I ain't had the money to go buy the Tier 6 version, but I'm going to go buy the Tier 6 version. But right now, I'm still waiting on them to release something for the Klingons that they haven't released that makes a whole bunch of sense to release. A Tier 6 carrier. I just really hope it's Orion. I mean, I know they've recently released the Tier 6 flight deck cruisers, but as an Orion player, I kind of want an Orion carrier. We have, like, a freaking car fee carrier of the freaking Feklar. But we don't have an Orion carrier yet? Or we don't, we don't even have a Klingon Tier 6 ca- I mean, wasn't the whole deal with the Klingon faction and having carriers... Oh, this is the carrier faction. This is supposed to be the PvP faction. Let's give them all these carriers and all these little little pets to go and do shit with. I don't, I don't see this design thought coming out of Cryptic anymore. Hell, I barely see any design concept coming out unless it's fed first and then branching out. Like you said, Dragon. Well, I wish that they would bring out more content for Klingons and Romulans exclusively. I mean, I know I can see what they were doing in terms of when they develop this alliance kind of thing to fight the greater good blah 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 but it's just basically a way of combining all three factions into one thing and saying right okay we're all going to live in harmony and blah 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 and then every time we bring out content we're going to aim it at the alliance the alliance is going to get more ships the alliance are going to get this the alliance is going to get that when just as you said it it doesn't always work like that. Even even a Tal Shiar, I could never see the Tal Shiar getting into, into an alliance with the um, with the uh, Federation. You know, hell, know in the storyline itself, the Tal Shiar are still off doing their own thing, opposed to the entire Republic, the entire idea of the Republic. And I don't even mean Sela's Tal Shiar, because that's a third faction of Romulans in the storyline. Exactly. And and you literally have the Romulans splintered into three separate factions at this point within their own thing. And there's no story content there from anybody. Exactly, which, which is why I wish there was. There's all this talk about the... There was all this talk way, way back when the last featured episode was the 2800 with the Jem'Hadar. As long as as long ago as that was, that the big next thing was a featured series storyline discovering and uncovering the fallout of what happened in the path to twenty four oh nine lore when the Klingons literally blockaded the Gorn hegemony and literally just killed a whole bunch of the Gorn hegemony because of species eight four seven two. Also known as the Undine. Yeah. Nothing ever came of that. There was even mention in Path to 2409 of this talk of civil war within the Gorn to break away 
as a rogue faction from the KDF because of what the Klingons did. That's a whole storyline that could be that could be explored. Okay, cool. You want to show Jim Pock is even more of a dishonorable bastard than anything? Cool. Kill his ass. Get rid of him. Expose the shit. Like in the past couple of episodes, we've seen the fact Jim Pock had to have known shit was going on if a body was there and then suddenly gone. Torg was basically his right hand. There's no way in hell. There is no way in hell. Jim Pock didn't know that some shit was up. That's exactly why we were authorized to do the mission in the first place, to go and save Martok. Because he knew if any, if he said no in any way, shape, or form to this thing, that we would point at him and go, he's a dishonorable bastard, kill him. He's already proven to be a dishonorable, dishonorable bastard by having it happen in the first place. Yeah, I just wish that they'd explore, rather than obviously jumping timeline, uh, jumping timelines and, you know, going forward, going backwards, blah, blah, blah. I wish they would just focus on, like you said, some of the, the stuff that hasn't been mentioned, you know, rather than just think, oh, what kind of a race can we make up now? And let's make up so-and-so and, oh, this is how we're going to bring him into it and blah, blah, blah. Do you know? But, but not, we can't do... That we, that, that, I mean... As much as I would love to have them explore a Romulan storyline, it's I know it's not coming. Do you know why I know it's not coming? Because STLV said, oh, oh, we're going back to the Gamma Quadrant. Okay, so we're starting another war with the with the founders? Cool. Uh, not gonna be that interesting. You know what I really <laughs> you know what I really loved about the Romulan storyline? What I absolutely loved about the Romulan storyline was that a couple of those episodes weren't episode end jump to the next system. It was continuation episodes. You are doing this thing, and then you get captured. And then you spend the whole next episode being, being brainwashed. So it literally, the next episode is literally right there where you ended the previous episode. And it continues. It rolls seamlessly. I, I would. Yeah. I want. I want more content like that. I want more subterfuge and, dare I say it, exploration of this deeper, darker shit that we're expounding upon in Star Trek Online, but never actually getting into. Oh, oh, the the the. We used the. We used the chronocide machine and obliterated an entire timeline in which Picard's friend never ever found the asteroid with the Iconian data on it to find the Iconian homeworld. Okay, cool. But that means the Tutarians never existed, so the guy, the Krenum guy who was married to a Tutarian, goes absolutely freaking nutso and starts the entire Temporal Cold War. Uh, okay... Show us a storyline of why that progression goes through. Show us, show us a, show us an episode or a story of why that that switch flipped in his head. You don't do it. We literally go to the guy who's this angry, grumpy guy. He gets a power core, never knowing he had a wife, never knowing he had a kid from said wife. 
opens a power core, learns he had a wife and a kid. Okay, now he's gone nuts. Now, I know Krenum are aggressive, and I know that Anorex mentally snapped because he lost his wife. But he snapped because he remembered his wife. This asshole is literally going on a tirade in the Temporal Cold War for a thing he never had memories of. Show us how he went fucking insane. How did the, oh, I had a wife and kids. Fuck the Federation. They ruin everything. Show us how that leap took place. But no, 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 no. We, you know, we, 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 we're dedicated to exploration until we start another war. That lasts for, you know, a year. And then we'll give you another episode that's about exploration until we start another war. That's about a year. And then, you know, hey, we're we're still committed to exploration. Uh, because Zenkethi is all about exploration, not a war, right? Like the current The current shit going on with the Zenkethi is a genocidal war! They're trying to genocide an entire species of shit. Like, they're genociding planets left and right. Don't care if there are people on the planet or not. They're trying to get rid of these crystals. These crystals that are eggs that are an entire other species. So they're not just genociding one species. They're genociding all the other species that may be on a planet with those one species. And we're fighting the Zenkethi because they're doing this. Okay, cool. This is how many wars about ethics? Explore the actual ethics. Don't throw us into another conflict and go, Hey, kill all of these things. I would love the hell out of an episode where we didn't even have to fire a single fucking shot. And if we did have to fire a single shot, it was because we were attacked. Like, That's never going to happen now, is it? Because I would love to have a sit-down walkthrough episode like we used to have. I would love to have that, hey, let's explore this thing. You know, in that, in that respect, I will wholly give, I will wholly give the Hearts and Minds episode credit. Because even though it may not be as environmentally scary as, as what lies beneath... It is an episode that goes on about the idea of a thing. It says, hey, look, clones. This thing that is banned, clones. The degradation of the body and the mind because of constant cloning and recloning. A copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I want that kind of exploration. I would love that kind of exploration. But we keep walking into a, hey, cool, hey, come here, we have a thing to show you. It's the lab. Oh, except all the shit's going down because we're at war still. <sighs> oh no, same old, same old. You know, this is, this is where I go, this is where I keep going. Okay, cool. I, I love that you have these storylines, Cryptic. But when you tell us you're dedicated to exploration... And about the only sort of exploration we really get is two episodes in the past, what, two years? And both of them with the Lucari exploring a planet. 
and finding out that its entire population has been genocided by the Zinkethi, and finding a big huge cave of crystals, it starts this whole thing off. And the second being, the Lucari have a ship and are about to explore space for the first time in forever. Uh, let's go with them and accompany them and listen to their wonder as they explore the jellyfish from Encounter at Farpoint and the Geckly. Those are great and brilliant episodes about exploration, but they're the only thing you can point at and say exploration. Well, hopefully they come out with some more content in the future. And, and you know what? You know what the worst part is? Both of those episodes aren't back-to-back. Do you know what's in between the two of them? No. Before the one episode with the, with the Lucari, is an entire fucking war with the Iconians. In between the first Lucari episode and the second Lucari episode is an entire fucking war, temporally. And then after the second Lucari episode is an entire fucking war with the Zinkethi. But don't you know that there's the great sales um, motivator in the universe, even in the future? Who's got the bigger, badder, better gun? I mean, come on, let's think about it. But this is this is where the whole idea of power creep comes into play. You know, with, with the actual game mechanics. Guys, I get it. People want content. They want story content. You want to give them big, bad things to shoot. That's fine. But there is a way to slow power creep. And it's not creating a new ship with the 12th console slot for the next big bad war. It's to stop making war and start making that, oh, I don't know, cerebral content that every Trek fan talks about liking in Star Trek. You can slow power creep by making episodes... Where we don't really have to fight a big, huge war. Sure, we can have a small little skirmish here or there, but it don't have to run around in an entire colony killing a whole bunch of, of, of Geiger spiders and Zinkefe. But that's just me. No, I thought, I thought all these people who are complaining that they don't like to do the Star Trek films is because it's too cerebral. It makes people think about shit. And here I am playing a game where the main fucking goal is mindlessly killing. There was an entire Federation episode where you got orders from an admiral to go and blow up a Romulan base. Except, oops, you've been slaughtering a whole bunch of Romulan fucking scientists. For no other reason than you were going, you, you were told to go and do it. Yeah, I'm not going to argue on any of this because, yeah, I happen to agree. And if, if, if it sounds like I'm ranting to cover for the fact that I have absolutely zero news about Star Trek timelines, you're correct. Because I honestly haven't looked at anything Star Trek timelines. Midnight's the person who does that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys, no timelines discussion this week. Although there's probably a new event going on this weekend. There's always some event going on on the weekend in Star Trek on uh, Star Trek Timelines. Almost said Star Trek Online, but no, I would agree with that only if the hourly system was still in the game. In any case, uh, have either of you been watching Discovery? 
Main Viewer. Computed and recorded, dear. I have no way of watching Discovery. No, not yet. Okay, so basically the previous episode was, I believe, entitled Choose Your Pain, which uh, introduced us to the CBS All Access version of Harry Mudd. Good deal. I won't spoil much more than that. Uh, the next episode, which premieres Sunday, is called Lave, I believe. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. When they introduced their version of Harry Mudd, did he come with all his women? No, actually. Is this, is this, a, is this a point you would like me to kind of expound upon? Oh, oh no, it was just a rather off-the-cuff, uh, nod and homage to the oh no 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 that no that 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 homage is actually expounded upon in the episode believe it or not that uh that yeah that uh that's 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 discussed in the episode harry mud discusses harry mud discusses his trading deals and whys I don't think I want to know. Good deal. Uh, but I will say this about the last episode. I now kind of don't care if Saru gets murdered in any way, shape, or form. He's just as much a dick as everybody else on that ship. Go ahead and light him up. Also, I was right. I was right. I was right. But, uh... Temporal agent placed here by whatever his name is. Just so that way you can screw with our heads. Wait, wait, you think I'm a temporal agent? Come on, think about it. Think about all the things that you have said in the time that you and I have known each other. With as what seemed to be as absolutely minimal information as you had. And yet, how many times did you take and nail things so distinctly midpoint on the head that there was no way that people could not think that you had somehow acquired inside information. This is where I, I will. I, this is where I will do a midnight. Yeah, but think about all the times I've been wrong. They're there. Oh yes, they're there. But what better way of trying to misdirect somebody when you actually do know what's going on than to throw them the occasional bone of being wrong, or at least oh you shush. Uh, you know I'm not no temporal agent. I mean, we did spend a couple of hours exploring your erogenous zones, right? Hey, now. I'm an all-star. I-, I wonder how red Giz's ears just turned. I don't know if Giz is even here anymore. Hearing that stuff, I'm pretty sure a whole bunch of people have taken off their headphones. <laughs> no, I'm still here. I'm just listening. But yeah, no, I, it's... Again, this is... I, I have, I've said this time and time again. When it comes to watching any sort of TV, a thousand different scenarios run through my head, and then I pick the one that goes, this is what the writing team is about to do. And that's usually what happens. So it takes a couple of days for my brain to go, okay, how did you feel about the episode? Where were all the little things in the right places? I mean, I do this with, I do this with episodes of Star Trek Online as well. Ah, see, there's my point exactly. You have done it so many times in still and been so exactly right on 
that it does make one wonder occasionally. Uh, let's just call it divine inspiration, yeah? I mean, the, the, somebody on the KDF has gods, right? I mean, I know the Klingons yeah. don't because they killed theirs, but somebody else has gods, right? We could just chalk it up to uh, a divine inspiration. But yeah, I no. I think most of them go with the ancestor route, kind of like the uh, ancient Chinese. Don't do anything ah. with your ancestors. Or, or, or don't do anything that would make your great-great-grandchildren go, that's screwed up. I'm glad that guy killed my ancestor. Sorry, I just watched a thing about uh, politics, so yeah. Um, in any case, if you are interested in watching Discovery, CBL, uh, CBS All Access is there. If you're not, that's cool. If you're not because of Axanar, and solely because of Axanar, go eat a dick. If you're on the fence about it because of what happened because of Axanar, it's cool. You might need to do a little bit of more investigation into what Axanar was actually actually doing, and I do recommend you go and do that. But yeah, it's 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 okay. At this point, I still think the Orville is better, and not from a honestly. A lot of people think it's it, the the appeal of the Orville is because it's Galaxy Quest ish. And that's not necessarily it at all. It's holding true to the cerebralness of what Star Trek has always been, but not being afraid to be blatant about humor. Well, you also have to remember that Roddenberry himself uh, said and admitted to Nichelle Nichols, a.k.a. Ahura, that each and every one of their episodes was nothing more than a morality play. The thing is, is in, in some cases, there is the morality play aspect in Orville, but they come at it from a completely different tack. And because of that, the lesson or whatever in it is actually really hard to find if it's not completely and totally undecipherable. Well, it's not even that. Uh, episode three... I think three uh, or four of the Orville was about um, was it was it was essentially a child custody battle for all intents and purposes, and it was a custody battle over the gender of the child, and it wasn't was it wasn't a happy ending by any stretch. It was not a happy ending episode, but at the same time that quote-unquote, cerebral experience literally laid out, that's what needed to happen. Because if it happened any other way, you wouldn't think about the stuff that was going on. Because the bad outcome occurred, it made you sit and think and go, this is a moral that is being taught to me, and it is something that I need to look for in the future and go, that's not right. And the Orville does teach those lessons, but it's also got its own version of its cheese. And its cheese is Seth MacFarlane, a guy who's very blatant about humor. Which is, which is why you have an entire episode dedicated to its own space species zoo. And the way they get out of it is giving the aliens that keep the, the zoo 
the entire collection of the actual Kardashians. Like, all of those episodes of the Kardashians just fighting over crap. Yeah. Oh. Best attraction at a zoo. Reality television. I I also found it quite curious, that same episode with the, the, the custody battle. Didn't realize Fox had the rights to the Rankin-Bass films. Yeah, neither did I. That blew my mind. For those of you who don't know, the Rankin-Bass films are a set of Christmas classics. Everybody knows. Um, your Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, these, these Christmas claymation films that have been here for decades. And and in the middle of this episode, we're seeing snippets of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I'm like, I didn't realize Fox had the rights to these films. There, There's so much opportunity here for, for Seth MacFarlane to, to go to stuff that we have right now and go... This is, you know, this this is a thing that happened because because we don't we don't we don't see that in Trek. We have mentions of stuff happening in Star Trek, but we never see it because there was never that go between between CBS and the people developing Star Trek to have that kind of information brought up. And in an actual legitimate Star Trek, this is the future of humanity space. I'm pretty sure there would still be, like, records and films and all this kind of stuff of, of quote-unquote, treasured history. I mean, hell, we're talking about, you know, when you, you talk about the eugenics wars and the, the Khan Princep dynasties taking over Earth, they are, even if, even if they massively censor a whole bunch of stuff, and delete and get rid of stuff. They're still going to have approved content from years and years and years ago. Oh, you'd think so. But now, before we get on to any more of a divergent path than what we're currently on, um, do we have any any sort of news or speculation or anything like that about anything going on with uh, the, the whole um, Star Trek Discovery? Saru is going to die. I, I've, I've, I've said this... From the moment we got onto the the discovery itself, because at this point in the show, Saru is the first officer of the discovery, and what have they market the show as? Michael Burnham, first officer of the USS Discovery. Saru's got to die. I don't think he's going to be promoted at all, one way or the other. He's got to die. Yeah, possibly reassigned. And and with what just happened in the previous episode, I'm okay with him dying now. Honestly, I'm kind of okay with him dying. There was uh, this theory um, that uh, some some hosts from Trek Radio were talking about the about the mirror episode stuff that were that's supposed to be coming up, and. Um, they said, please, please, let all of this stuff have happened in a mirror universe. Let all of the stuff that we've seen now from Discovery have taken place in the mirror universe. And I go, uh, I can kind of see where you're coming from on that, but uh, I, don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think that's, that's what's going to happen. 
I think what they have right now with Discovery is what's going to be with Discovery. So, although they do keep referencing Alice in Wonderland, and it's going to be a plot point at some point. It has to be. How far down does the rabbit hole go, Alice? Quite a bit. When the end of the last episode was a character looking at themselves in the mirror and then walking away from said mirror while the reflection of themselves was still in said mirror before slowly turning around and walking away. But, yeah, it's getting a little late, guys. It's, it's, it's been great having a actually kind of short show. Uh... And it was great having both Geese and Dragon back. Yay! Makes a change, a short show. <laughs> yes, it always does. But we still got a lot talked about. And I'm sure I'm sure next week, Midnight, we'll come back with something to go off on me about. Which is fine. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, we're... Uh, we, we, this has been a great and amazing show. And... Uh, once we get everything sorted out, midnight gets well, we'll have everything edited and up on on the websites and forums and other places. And, yeah. <laughs> I guess the only thing left to do is to say bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Fly straight, shoot hard, and don't let the Federation tell you what to do. satellite radio for our remastered shows and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Tribbles in XTC or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to Tribbles in Ecstasy at gmail.com Join us next week for another episode of Tribbles in Ecstasy, the only place where Tribbles and Klingons are friends.